Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. Hi, this is Julie. This is Liz. This is Sheila. This is Monica. This is Leanne. We are the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters to Go. Welcome to the Satellite Sisters. We're happy to have you here. It is the end of January already. Whew, that was a fast month. I'm Leanne Dolan here in Pasadena, California with four out of my five sisters. Sheila Dolan is right down the road from me, but miles away in many ways uh, in South Pasadena. Hi, Sheila. Hey, Leon, great to be on the show again. Yeah. You remember? You're always welcome. Yeah, we do this show called Satellite Sisters. So we're psyched that you could swing by. <laughs> uh, Julie is there in Dallas, Texas. Hi, Jewel. Hi, coming in loud and clear. Sheila, you're sounding good today. I know, I know. Oh. Thank you. And then uh, Liz Dolan is just back from London, where, I don't know, Liz, you spent 12, 13 hours there this week. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I, I was there for a day and a half, and uh, just, just the story of my life over and back very quickly. But I had a major revelation while I was there this week. And, you know, I have, I've been going to London for business my whole career. Like even my first job in New York required me to go back and forth there a lot. So... I, I realized something this week that I can't believe it took me 25 years to figure it out. And Julie, I know you've been back and forth to London a lot. So here's the thing. I was in the bathroom of my hotel. I had taken a quick shower before going to dinner. This is, of course, the day I flew in and had to like quick change and go directly out to a work dinner. And I go to like plug in the hair dryer and quickly try to dry my hair. And there was no plug in my bathroom. And I was just like, what is the deal here? No plug in the bathroom. The only plug for the hair dryer is over the desk, which seems wildly unsanitary to me. And so anyway, I just did it. And I went out. And then at dinner, I was sitting with a couple of um, my British colleagues. And I was like, you know, what is the thing about um, like no plugs in the bathroom in this hotel? Like, is it just because it's a whole, an old hotel? And they said, no, that's against the law in Britain. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, what? They said, there's a law in Britain because they are so worried that your hairdryer is going to fall into the bathtub you are soaking in and kill you, that it is actually against the law. To have other plugs in the bathroom. Oh, I've never heard that, Liz. That's amazing. But it makes a lot of sense because Brits take baths. Yes. <laughs> they don't they don't shower. They they like to soak in the tub. So <laughs> there are more people soaking in water in Great Britain mm -hmm. than in the United States. That's a, <laughs> yes, sure. but it's still hard to imagine someone soaking in water and drying their hair at the same time. Julie. Yeah, I just, I'm just not sure that that really talk about being overprotective. But the thing that surprised me the most is after 25 years of being in British hotels, this is the first time it dawned on me that that is true in 100% of bathrooms. <laughs> I, apparently, I go long stretches without drying my hair right. at all. So I, I would just like to say, when you said you were going to blow dry your hair, I <laughs> I had a red flag alert. Like, okay, wow. right. And if there's any place you should not go out with a wet head, it's in London, Liz. 
Thank you, Leanne. I'm Mel Sheila. Yes. I was just trying to like, just, I was in a rush. Otherwise I do just let my hair dry often without a dryer. Yeah. But more that it took me 25 years to put the pieces together on this story. Well, that was just. Liz, but you are precisely the person that Great Britain is trying to protect. Because if you soaked in the bathtub, mm-hmm. you would be thinking, oh, I'm kind of in a rush. So I think I'll blow dry my hair. <laughs> I right? hope I don't drop the dryer. <laughs> it just seems like well, something that say- only happens in soap operas is people dropping dryers into uh, bathtubs to electrocute someone, to like murder them on purpose. And the fact that the whole country has a law to try to prevent something that probably almost never happened in the whole history of the world. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, how did it take me 25 years to figure this out? So that's all. That's my deep cultural insight for this week. Liz, thank oh. you. Well, we have a full show. We're going to get to all kinds of things. The Olympic uniforms. We're going to talk about Loman's closing, closing. Julie has an update from the first lady's desk. Uh, Liz has a movie you can't miss, but Sheila, last time you were on the show, you told us you were in um, pre-production for your annual physical and so that, that's actually what it's likely in i know it, so it, how, how did the actual production go how the physical oh, go oh it's major so I, I, this is definitely a good news bad news situation all right so the the good news is i went through with my physical um okay that is good news feel? okay and we're all very happy. Yeah. But the, the bad news is the physical was a year late. So I actually skipped last year. Now, we all had a rough year last year. So, but I'm back. I'm back on board. So I do want to do a shout out to my doctor, Lorna Blanco, who I love. She's just the coolest, smartest, most efficient, um, and doctor. And she also has fashion forward footwear. I mean, she's really... And, you know, you know, things are bad. Well, I mean, I have to have my annual pap smear, but I took that moment because it is such an uncomfortable moment to ask her, where did her riding boots go that she used to wear? You know, because I noticed she had switched from riding boots to penny loafers. So that kind of took the pressure off the pap smear situation. (laughs) Because I'm so codependent, I'm more worried about her during my pap smear. Than me. Okay, so let's go back to the blood test, Leanne. Yes, please. Um, I was waiting. <laughs> okay. The b- good news is the blood tests were done without a major caffeine withdrawal. Um, but the bad news is I forgot my insurance card. That's why I. That's why I was denied last time, and I had to go home, and I never went back. What'd you okay. do? Well, the good news is I'm a teacher, and I just pulled the teacher card, and I started to cry. Okay, go. I- <laughs> <laughs> that's what teachers do like, my class my class is being covered school starts at eight o'clock and they were like uh, okay all right well we are going to have to have your card but a faxed over here by the end of the day i said okay so took my blood now the good news is my assistant was covering my class for like a good solid hour so i had time land to go home get my insurance card and have a nice cup of coffee. coffee. It's yeah, good. <laughs> and the bad news is, of course, my assistant was in charge. So when I got back to school, it was bedlam. Okay, so I'm at the physical. Um, and um, okay, so good news, bad news again. My cholesterol seems to be shrinking by the hour. It's just my, my cholesterol is so good. 
it, it's 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 um, unbelievable. Good show. Uh, the bad news is I also seem to be shrinking <laughs> because I'm an inch shorter than oh. I used to be. Really? Wow. Yes. You know, I've been wearing the bun head for about a year now, and I think it gave me um, a false sense of height. You might have thought I was still five, three and a half. You probably thought I was, right? Yeah. Well, at least, but I'm not. I'm five, two and a half. I'm exactly an inch shorter. Oh, wow. What did your doctor say about that? Well, that's bone density, Liz. Yeah. That's another test that I have to do. I mean, I have... So many follow-up tests. It is unbelievable. I have now taken my entire winter break, what we call ski week. I have a doctor's appointment every day. Oh, I'm you're just, going to enjoy that. You're going to love it. Okay, so, all right, cholesterol is good. My lipids look good. Whatever whatever lipids are, I don't even know. Does anyone know? What <laughs> no, not really, are? but I assume you want them to be good. Okay. Um, I think that's news- fat in your blood, isn't it? Your lipids? Okay, I don't know. That's- Let's not spread medical misinformation. <laughs> not, I'm not saying anything over here. I don't know what they are. If Monica was here, she would know. But she's actually at work today, our lipid expert. I know. Um, the bad news is my blood sugar was a tiny bit elevated. And I believe that is due to my gluten-free, I'll just say investing in gluten-free products because I've been really buying so many, but there's hidden sugar girls in the gluten-free products. Okay. Yes, that's what happens when you take something out, they put something else in to make it taste better. That's right. I love it. It happens called tapioca starch. Okay. (laughs) Yum. Okay. Um, good news. It's been three to five years since my last colonoscopy. Um, <laughs> wow. Okay. I, we didn't need a complete update on your physical. Yeah. Maybe just a summary. Can yeah. You to the, to the summary? No, <laughs> bad, bad news is it's been three to five years since my last colonoscopy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, good news. I don't have an ear infection, which I thought I had. Um, bad news. I definitely have reduced hearing in that ear, and I believe um, it, it's due to a sadistic surgeon who performed a routine tympanoplasty over 20 years ago. And you know I've been going on about this ear, my right ear, for years. Yes, you have. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I thought you I were have... going to link that also to bun head wearing. <laughs> <laughs> I thought maybe the bun head had reduced your hearing. Okay, so I have a follow-up ENT. I'm going to a new ENT doctor, Leanne. The, I don't know if I won't mention their names. It's a father and son team that have the entire ENT conglomerate in Pasadena. Yeah. I've decided I'm not going to them. It's a factory. So I asked my doctor if I could please find a new ENT guy. An indie and- ENT in no, yeah, an indie, yes, exactly. So I'm, I have that. And I also, ladies, have two pending tests. And I'm just going to say one test involves drinking 32 liquids, 32 ounces of liquid and holding it. Okay. So that's one test. <laughs> I won't mention what that is. What are you testing in that scenario? Please, please don't mention it. And my. My other test involves, and Julie, you were the one who warned me about this five years ago. Okay. I have to drink five gallons of putrid lemon liquid 
and basically hold on for dear life. And you know what I'm talking about, Julie. Yes, I do, Sheila. <laughs> I don't. So, I, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I am it's choosing a, it's a to colonoscopy, Leanne. Oh, okay. I yeah. don't know. Okay. Wait, you have to have another colonoscopy? Yes, I do. I do because I'm on the short. I'm on the. Um, I'm on the three to five years list. Oh. As, that's a, as, that's for bunhead wearers, Liz. Oh my. <laughs> I was going to say, why would you be on the three to five years, but the rest of us aren't? It's because it's lipids. It's her lipids, Liz. No, no, no. <laughs> if they find anything at all, Liz, they put you on the three to five years. Oh, okay. So you had some situations in your previous one. No, no. Liz, you picked me up from that last colonoscopy, didn't you? Yes. Yes, I did. I did. The, I'm surprised you remember that because you were really not in any state to remember anything. <laughs> Well, that's how you want to be uh, during a colonoscopy. In fact, my surgeon, my doctor mentioned seeing um, a gastroenterologist from Pasadena, and I told her that it's a mother in my class. Oh. I'd rather not. I'd rather not. I mean, if it was a dermatology yeah. checkup, I would go. You know what I'm saying, Leanne? Right. Yeah. But, okay, so that's it. I mean, I, good and bad news. Mm-hmm. And, um and, uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's, it's hard, but I feel like I'm successful, uh, in terms of checking that one thing off. And again, I have doctor's week all lined up <laughs> in, in last week in February. So I'm sure I'll give you an update on all those follow-up tests. Sure oh, good. Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> we, so we have that to look forward to. That's great. That's great. In the meantime, I'm living life like I'm a 20 year old girls. So now, um, I feel like. You know, getting older, it's a, it's, it's a state of mind that I refuse to accept. So I no, actually... No, it's a state, Sheila. Honestly, <laughs> it is a state. No, I know that, Julie. Clinging to the bun head and just go with platform shoes. But, but it's a state. <laughs> um, so I just want to let you girls know that I uh, went to a rock concert on Friday night and lived to tell the tale. Wow. Who was it? Well, I went to see a young artist I've been championing for, uh, is that the correct word, championing? Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> it's the correct word, not the correct pronunciation, but close enough. <laughs> um, for quite some time now, a young artist by the name of Jake Bug. Oh, I okay. I remember when you started talking about Jake Bug, <laughs> Sheila. Yes. And I feel like I have some kind of, you know, mojo, some, I mean, I have, I've, I've really predicted the success of many English and Scottish performers. Have I not? Starting with James McAvoy. <laughs> yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I also kind of predicted, I feel like I'm single-handedly responsible for Clive Owen's career. <laughs> I, I mean, I saw him years he ago. Is an, he's a no talent and who would look <laughs> at him twice? <laughs> And I also feel like I, I sort of was on the cutting edge of a Jude Law uh, rise because when I saw Road to Perdition, everybody's talking about Paul Newman. I said, hey, how about this guy, Jude Law? I don't know if you guys remember that. Okay. <laughs> so I'm here to say I've been talking about Jake Bug for over a year and a half. I asked your your boys, Lynn, if they've ever heard of Jake. They hadn't. Mm-hmm. He's a 20-year-old music prodigy from Nottingham, England. He was nominated for the prestigious Mercury British Award, uh, Rising Star. Uh, his influences include Don McLean, Neil Young, and the Beatles. Oh, that's, that's solid. That's a very solid lineup. 
And um, my younger boyfriend uh, bought tickets for me for Friday night, which was a great surprise here in L.A. at the Wiltern Theater downtown, Liz. Oh, that's, oh, a, that's fun a fun theater. place. <laughs> yeah. And I hey, just that's a lot for you on Friday night after a whole school week. Good for you stepping out. Well, I actually had taken Friday off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you had to nap during the day so you could go to 8 p.m. performance? Well, I had, like, after – I mean, I, my physical was on Thursday, and I was done. On Friday, I was done. I mean, I needed a day to recover from the physical. So I was fresh for the concert. But I didn't have to be that fresh because, interestingly, Jake Bug's audience – was a compl- half and half, 50-50 split of people or uh, people over the age of 50. And I am not kidding you. I, I believe people with super high musical taste. <laughs> and then an entire 50% of the audience were girls under the age of 16. <laughs> oh, yeah. Really? And, and that is a good audience, wouldn't you think? <laughs> I mean, I felt... I felt very, very good about myself being at that concert. So it was um, sponsored by a big radio station here, KCRW. And there were a lot of musical, you know, executives there because he is just one to watch. I mean, he he was phenomenal. Three-piece band, unbelievable voice, lyrics. And he has absolutely zero stage presence. I mean, not... But no, but it's good. It's cool. Like he doesn't pander to the audience at all. He just gets up and he just sings. That's it. Jake Bug. Uh, all right, Julie, so- I'm just looking up his concert schedule. He'll be in Dallas uh, on Tuesday night at the House of Blues. So- all right. Well, I will nap and then head over there with the rest of the 16-year-old girls. Okay. Sounds good. That's right. So I, I had a great time. Uh, and, uh, I'll go, I'm, I, I'm on the rock concert scene again. I think I'm, I'm going to be going to a lot of concerts this year. Yeah. Now that uh, your hearing's going. Yeah. You yeah. might as well. Is that good for your hearing, Sheila? Or what? I literally could not hear for one whole day after the concert. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just ridiculous. Uh, colonosc- colonoscopies and concerts. Why not? <laughs> there you go. You're getting younger and shorter every day. And that's great. All right, and we're gonna move. My- we're gonna move on now to the uh, some news of the day. Uh, the Olympic uniforms created quite a uh, quite a, a kerfuffle online this week. I don't know if you've all had a chance to see the pictures of the uh, sweaters by Ralph Lauren. He is outfitting yes. the U.S. Olympic team. These are the opening ceremony looks. It's a patchwork sweater, uh, and then it is luxury white sweatpants and sort of rugged boots and, of course, an adorable hat. All right, just polling the sisters. Liz, did you get a chance to see him? What would you think? I did get a chance to see it, Leanne. To me, it looked like if I was driving by a corner in my neighborhood and someone was having a tag sale of, like, their ragtag old sweaters that they were trying to get rid of <laughs> and what they would all look like hanging on the rack together. That's – I just, like, it's hard enough for me to imagine – one of those sweaters like out in the wild on a person but to imagine hundreds of those sweaters ganged together and marching i'm sorry not for me just like no 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 all right strong words julie what'd you think of the outfits nightmare in wool sisters <laughs> i mean really i in fact i thought they're so bad looking like the wor- worst than the worst christmas sweater i've ever seen that i thought maybe uh ralph was going for some ironic look I- <laughs> 
that perhaps he was like just you know how uh young young hipsters they wear goofy t-shirts because they're ironic i think that's may, perhaps what he's what he's going for there certainly whoever designed it has never been anywhere near a ski slope <laughs> ralph ralph designed it ralph ralph himself well, I, did I, the sweater he's he's lost his mind uh, <laughs> okay. like, sheila have you seen him I saw them. White sweatpants to me are the worst things in the whole world. <laughs> I, I think maybe for a Halloween costume, I'd need it for a ghost, but that's about it. They're, you know they're, what? They're... I, I kind of think they're great. I don't. <laughs> Why the haters? Why the haters? Okay, first of all, they're going to be like in in the middle of Russia somewhere. They need something bright. You know, they're super attractive, fit athletes. They're going to look good in anything. They look comfy and cozy, and apparently white sweatpants are au courant, Sheil. <laughs> That's like a look that several designers are showing this year. So, I don't know. I thought they were kind of cheery and, and bright. <laughs> That's what I would say. Really? It was just the patchwork thing was not working for me at all. Like, I know you want to go with the patriotic red, white, and blue. I support that, especially given the context. But just like a mishmash of patterns, it just looked so like somebody's mom made them and then made a couple of extra thousand, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, the New York Times, the New York Times surveyed a couple of actual like fashion people from Elle magazine. Joe from Elle magazine said, I love this look for many reasons, but I like this reason. It offers a certain level of visibility, even from the bleachers or the four corners of the earth. (laughs) (laughs) He said it screams confidence. And then Nick Screws, he's a fashion editor at Esquire, who also styles professional athletes, said this, and I love this. It's homespun apres ski with a nod to sports luxe vibe trend that we've been seeing in menswear for a few seasons. All right, I think I'm going to change my whole look to be homespun apres ski. <laughs> Some of the happiest days of my life for apres ski. <laughs> Plus, doesn't, I'm sorry, the whole phrase sports luxe vibe seems like it would be something that only people not even marginally involved in sports would say because you know these are competitive athletes there to do their thing that they've been training their their whole life for so it's not like a temporary costume that they should be adopting for a moment it's not a vibe for them it's like everything they have ever trained for their whole life so i can see why if for the people that are like hanging out in their houses you know their country homes watching this on the big screen tv the white sweat pants are kind of a good vibe for watching sports on tv but actually being a world-class athlete not so much Okay. And then finally, Lawrence Schlossman, the editor-in-chief of the Style Blog, said he agrees with you guys. He said, uh, it's great that they're made in America. And uh, so that's fantastic. That wins a gold medal. But these are like wearing Times Square on your body. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's about right. Lee in Canada, our our neighbors to the north, uh, they're going to be in knitwear. Have you seen their outfits? I haven't, you all. They're black and red, and they're all knit. They've got scarves with little pictures of beavers on them and hats. So they have some of the homespun vibe, but they also look like competitors in these outfits. I think in the U.S. outfits, you don't look like a competitor. You look like you look like I don't. You don't even look like a fan. You. I mean, I don't know what. I don't know what. So I predict. I, I predict fifty years from now. 
when the athletes who went to the games are talking to their grandkids, they are going to pull out that sweater and they're going to enjoy it. (laughs) That's what I think. (laughs) All right. It's so exciting. The Olympics, isn't it? The countdown last night, we taped and watched the, um, the men's downhill from Kitzbühel. It was fantastic. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. It was Bodie Miller's kind of last chance to win the Haman con. And, uh, he came in third. He blew the doors off on a training run, but then everyone copied his line. And so he lost to, uh, no surprise, an Austrian. But uh, an Askal Lund Svindal was second. But um, there That's, you go. You just reminded me of another thing that we love about the Winter Olympics. You learn all kinds of names that you've never heard of <laughs> yes. before. All these Norwegian and Austrian names, which by the end of February, they just trip off your tongue right. so easily. But right now, we don't know who the hell these people are. So. Well, it was exciting. Put us in the mood. All right. Well, a couple other shout out countries that I think I want you to keep a a watch out for when you see them at the opening ceremonies. First of all, Russia is going to be wearing uh, uh, the women are going to be wearing what can only be described as Father Frost outfits. Now, Leon, you know that you know that I have given you and you have collected uh, um, the Russian Father Frost. These are the wood carved wooden guy that looks an awful lot like Santa Claus, but because religion was banned during the Soviet Union, they came up with this Father Frost character. But he wears a lot of uh, fur coats and stuff like that. So the Russians have this nice little fur lined um, outfit that I think you're going to enjoy because it's very Father Frost like. So be sure to look for that. The other Norway, I mean, they that curling team, they're going to blow it out of the oh, oh yeah. I saw those those are cool those are totally wonderful I love rainbow bright from Germany yeah they're going to be excellent those are good but the ones that are the real losers I don't know if you've seen the French <laughs> the French uniforms the men are wearing just picture this gray puffy blazers oh, oh. They, they by Lacoste the French uh shirt company um uh, and so but that's what they're wearing they're um they're they're so they're puffy coats but in the in the style of a blazer in gray that sounds awkward actually <laughs> it's not good it is not good at all so um so just be on the lookout for that as well thumbs down to the french you know you would really expect more from them and the other ones that I kind of like, but I think are going to be controversial are is the Czech Republic. Have you seen them? They are wearing these hats. Uh, I can't tell whether they're real fur or fake fur, uh, but the fur is somewhere between a possum and a raccoon that they have in their head. (laughs) And so they look happy in the pictures and I'm sure they're going to be nice and warm. And in many parts of the world, fur is the, you know, that is the preferred fabric uh, for, uh, for keeping, keeping you warm during the winter. Um, But uh, the, the fur on these hats looks a little suspicious. Please be on the lookout for those. You know what, Julie? I did just Google the Russian outfits. You're right. They do look like my Father Frost dolls. Those are pretty yep. spectacular. Those I are going to be good. Big hits from the Russians. I mean, as you would expect. Um, also, I've been reading that when, when you're in Sochi, and Liz, are you going to make a last-minute bid to go to Sochi? Because there are lots of tickets available. <laughs> That's what I I heard you guys talking about that on the Tuesday show, that that is the good news about Sochi. Loads of availability. <laughs> but they have they have also prepared 
you know, because when you're in, when you're in, you know, like when you're in Rome, you eat uh, Italian food. So when you're in Russia, they are planning for people to eat a lot of Russian food. That's the good news. Here's the bad news, Sheila, as, as we stay on that theme. It's, <laughs> yes. It's Russian food. So <laughs> oh. some of the Russian food is not so great, but some of the items uh, I think are going to be very popular and they have planned for like, I think a million gallons of borscht to be available. Mm, wow. Beet soup, beet soup, and uh, it's sometimes it's made with the meat veal stock, and sometimes it's made with the vegetable stock. It's absolutely delicious, um, and, so- and very cleansing. I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, perhaps you should get some of that. I'd rather drink borscht than what I have to drink, frankly. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I don't yeah. know. For athletes going to Russia who are trying to carbo load for their events out in the cold, my one word, Julie, would be palmeni. Mm-hmm. Isn't didn't didn't we eat a lot of palmeni when we would visit you in Russia? Yes, those are super delicious. That is, it's like a tortellini, only mm-hmm. it's um, a palmeni. It's just like that. They just give it a different name. That's good for carbo loading. The other thing that I you know I know many athletes are really going to get into are the little the pancakes, the mini pancakes, the blini. Mm-hmm. And these are made with buckwheat and they are super delicious, particularly when you put on our favorite food product from Russia, smetana. That would be the 60 proof sour cream that you put on the buckwheat pancakes. <laughs> they have super delicious extra fat in infused sour cream in Russia and which is good for your borscht it's good for your buckwheat it's good for your on your pelmeni you can put it on it <laughs> right i think monica when she came to russia she was just eating it out of a bowl i don't <laughs> anything under that and then the last item that is particularly good in the cold weather is shashlik it's that is your basic kebabs that yeah. they sell and you're going to be seeing a lot of those in Russia. But you heard it here first at Satellite Sisters. This, I mean, those are going to be the big, big five: borscht, shaslik, lini, um, smetana. You're 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 all set. And the pelmeni. Ooh, that makes fun. Yeah. Okay, now I'm looking. I googled the French uniforms. Can I just say one thing about the inadequacy of these French uniforms? Uh, first of all, like uh, it's like a hipster style jacket. When you say blazer, yes, but it's a uh, it's like one of those little teeny tiny jackets that all oh, the like a shrunken are blazer, like a shrunken blazer. So it does not look like it's going to keep you warm mm. at all. So good luck with that French team. Plus, here's a picture of a man and a woman in the blazers in their puffy blazers. Neither of them are wearing scarves. Like when. In your whole life, have you ever seen a French person not wearing a scarf? You know, the uh, so I just, I don't get this look. And I don't think you're going to see the look executed this way because it's going to require a lot of layering on top of this in order to stand out there in those opening ceremonies. <laughs> that would be my prediction. All right. This, it's all exciting. It's all exciting. Uh, you know, speaking of fashion, though, we are losing a fashion icon uh, shortly, and that is Lomans. The Lomans chain is closing up all the their doors uh it started you know over 90 years ago like in a basement in brooklyn and uh now it's closing up and we spent a lot of happy moments in the lomans near us in norwalk which when i think back would probably be a store i would not even walk into now right but (laughs) back in the day we loved it we loved it 
Our mother taught us to love Lomans. She taught us to shop uh, the back room. She taught us really how to find a good deal. And so I just thought maybe we could take a minute and mourn the loss of Lomans. Uh, it was one of the first discount stores along with Filene's Basement. And it was also the first and maybe only, there aren't too many stores where you walked into a gang dressing room and you just sort of staked out your area of the dressing room and you tried on all your clothes in a big room with 30, 40 other women. Um, and then you would steal clothes from other people. You'd check out what other people were trying on. And when they went back out onto the floor, it was acceptable to steal them at Lohman's. And so that we could just share some of our favorite Lohman memories. Girls, do you have any special dresses that you got at Lohman's? Anything? Well, this, this is Julie. I have to say, I really learned more about the female anatomy mm. in those gang dressing rooms at Lomans than than a- any other place. Because, as you know, rec- as you recall, growing up in our house, we had a bathrobes at all times rule, <laughs> uh, which in our family, we we were my parents were very modest, and they believed that their children should be wearing bathrobes and slippers at all times. So I really rarely saw other body parts in my house, even though that we we grew up eight kids. So, but it was only when I went to Lomans that, and you're in that dressing room and you could, and you're, of course you were not trying to make eye contact, but you couldn't help but look in the mirror and look across the uh, the way to see the the wide variety of shapes and sizes there were in the world and, and body parts and pieces of underwear and lack of underwear and all of that. I mean, that was, that was something for me. Okay, Julie, that is hilarious because my number one thing that I wrote down was exactly the same thing. I wrote in my notes, introduction to the female anatomy and uh, really all shapes and sizes. And then on top of that, it was sort of the the whole world of female undergarments, you know, like what women wore or didn't wear. You, This was like old school. We would be, this was like the seventies and there were still like women wearing giant girdles or pointy bras or just a lot more underwear than we ever would have seen at home, but also a lot less in some cases. So it was sort of, it's not like our mother ever sat us down and did sort of the, the birds and bees thing no. or any, or we, that we were ever in a lot of locker rooms where women were naked or semi-naked. So really the Lomans dressing room was our locker room. <laughs> what, you know, what girls today might learn because they're involved in sports teams and they're in locker rooms. Um, we got all of that uh, at Lomans. So um, I remember our mother used to go in and like, just put clothes on over clothes. Cause she right. didn't want to be naked yes. in the dressing room. So she tried on a lot of clothes over other clothes. And then she, go ahead, Liz. That was my other big recollection, Leanne, because our mother, Edna had an identical twin sister, Eleanor, and Eleanor was slightly larger than our mom. Our mom would like put clothes on over her clothes and then if she liked them she figured then they would fit Eleanor and she would buy them for Eleanor (laughs) but you're right even her own like trying on she rarely took off a garment to try another one on it just was not wool pants and a wool sweater she's putting clothes on over (laughs) that I mean it wasn't like she was wearing like yoga pants or anything these are itchy wool pants and an itchy wool turtleneck sweater and she's trying on a Dion von Furstenberg wrap dress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
No, I was just recalling that I got my prom dress at Lowman's and it was so, to me, so fashion forward because in an age of like gunny sacks dresses, mine was actually a short dress, like a short polka dot dress, which girls didn't wear short dresses to the proms then. And I got it at Lowman's. I still have it somewhere, that prom dress. (laughs) It's heinous, but I still have it. I also think Lowman's for us was a... It was like a first taste of liberation because we could only get to Lomans on our own as like the sisters once you, Julie, got your driver's license, right? So I, like when like, we were little, mom would take us, but it was even better. Once you were 16, then we would go on our own Lomans runs together. And that was like super special. That's right. I think it was like the second place I learned how to drive to. And I was never very good at it. And the parking was always a little tough for me, but you girls helped me with the car. Well, yeah. You know, Liz, I read one analysis of why chains like Filene's and Lowman's have have closed. And one of uh, an expert was saying, well, you know, now when people shop, they require like, it's like a cultural experience to shop. You know, it has to, you have to feel the whole experience 360 degrees. Whereas Lowman's was just a place where you went to like find cheap stuff. But it was a cultural experience. (laughs) Yes, it was. It was it was the, it was a melting pot of shoppers Does in a it? way that you probably would not find in most places anymore. Yeah, I think Nora Ephron has a has a great essay. I feel like about what she learned in a Loman's dressing room. I'll try to I'll try to drag that up somehow. Yeah, I remember when we talked to her, she talked a lot about Loman's. So, so R.I.P. Loman's. R.I.P. I know it's it's sad. Man. It is sad. It's sad. <laughs> Hey, I Liz, I think we lost Sheila. So if you want to try to reconnect now, or she may oh, have, sure. she okay, may have gone on. out. I don't know. Let me, <laughs> let me see what I can do here. She may have gone to the Grammys for all we know. <laughs> for another okay. doctor's appointment. Let's Something see like. here. <laughs> Sheila typing in Sheila. So she's still online. Let's see if we can add her to the call. Um, it's almost ringing now. So we're not hearing the real. Oh, hey, Sheila, it's Liz. Hi. Hey, we lost you there for a second, but look at us. We can just dial you back. Oh, fantastic. So we were we were just wrapping up the Lomans discussion. Did you have any Lomans uh, recollections you wanted to share? Oh, you know, it's crazy. My last purchase at Lomans was about 10 years ago. I went to the Lomans in Chelsea with my daughter, Ruthie. She was looking for shirts and bags and shoes and I literally spotted a uh, Lomans. Yeah, but they're Americans. They spent part of the weekend, Leon, going to the Lomans in Los Angeles because they had read in the news in Australia that it was closing. Oh. So, yeah, final pilgrimage. Everyone needed to make one. <laughs> oh, okay. All right, Jill, you have some First Ladies news? I do. So some sad news, Leanne and Liz and Sheila. It was it was announced by the president of France, you know, Hollande, that he has put an end to his relationship with um, the first lady of France. That would be if you were following from last week, that would be the Katie Couric character. Uh, This is his second the second woman in his life who um, who he started having an affair with. And then she moved in and, you know, they've been going out for quite some time. And she moved into the palace and was really taking on the role of the first lady. Uh, she's a she's a journalist. So that's hence that's why I call her the Katie Couric uh, character. So but 
Then the president got on his little scooter, as you remember, and he was scooting down the street. And then he was having the affair with the Jennifer Aniston character. That was Julie uh, Gallegue. So now uh, Valerie is, Katie is out. But the big question, I think, on everyone's mind, as uh, President Hollande is scheduled to come to the United States in February, is who is he going to bring? Will it be Jennifer Aniston? Okay, Mm -hmm. and that could be something. But remember, uh, uh, Jennifer Aniston, a.k.a. Julie Gaillet, is married and has two children. So that could be kind of (laughs) sticky. Or he could bring... Hillary Clinton, which was his first partner (laughs) with whom he had four children, right? But that's a little sticky, too, because uh, she's now sort of a political opponent of his. So I I don't know. I I, I don't know how this is going to go. But it was very sad that the Katie Couric character, Valerie, she got on the plane and went to India because she had a previously scheduled uh, sort of humanitarian visit that she's doing in India and it's possible that she may give a press conference in India about about what has happened. But sort of sad, don't you think? To, I mean, and how how messy as a, you know for you know for the first lady's desk for us to consider having having a first lady evicted, you know, and all of her things have to come out of the palace. I mean, right, because Julie, I mean, you were just very pro-First Lady. Your position has always been that you don't care what their political orientation is. You just want to support them in the world's most undoable job, right? right. And, but here you have a case where you have kind of dueling First Ladies, none of them official, but just kind of stepping into the role out of a sense of helpfulness or national mission or whatever it is so you can't really it's really a tough one can you imagine what the state department protocol people are going through <laughs> as they anticipate like seating charts if the falon shows up with these various combinations of people I, I don't know i mean it's very very messy yes yes indeed and when you consider that sort of technically they're all the other woman uh so it's very hard to root for anyone <laughs> right. Couric or for Jennifer Aniston or even for the Hillary Clinton character. So I don't know. I don't know which way it goes. I think he'd, he's probably going to come by himself, leave the scooter at home, just come over for his state visit. But I, I do feel very sorry for uh, Valerie. It seemed like a sort of a spectacular way to have to break up with your boyfriend. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it left her in the hospital. Um, and uh, and now she's she's gone off to India. Oh, well, there you <laughs> Well, maybe she'll find that same guy that um, the the Elizabeth Gilbert found, right? Yes, certain deep of situations. Yes. Maybe maybe she'll just go on to Bali, and uh, there'll be right. somebody there for her. That's that's hopeful. Do you know? Did my eyes deceive me, or wasn't the French president meeting with the Pope this week, which must have been kind of sticky? I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that was awkward. Yes, yeah. Huh. You know, Pope Francis is not, he's not up with this situation <laughs> at all, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure he said something. About yeah. Okay. All right. I have one tiny bit of celebrity news. Um, you know, uh, my son Brooks has been valet parking at a, at a hotel here in nation, uh, you know, press tour. And this is two and a half weeks of press events every single day at the hotel where where the networks like book in a whole day and bring entire casts of shows and creative teams and they do press conference after press conference after press conference. So everyone's been there from ABC to Fox to the cable networks to PBS.
yes, everybody. And you would think it would be a valet dream, frankly, but uh, a lot of the celebrities actually are brought in in cars and limos and stuff like that. So the the valets don't really get to take their cars. They take the cars of the executives like Liz, who was there, uh, saw Brooks uh, at work or, you know, the press people who have no money. So it's a lot of work and a lot of excitement, but you don't get these giant celebrity tips. But um, he did see, he was texting me when he could at work about some of the sightings that he had at work. And he did see Sarah Palin. And he saw Julia Roberts and uh, he saw the entire cast of, you know, White Collar. It's one of his favorite shows. And, uh, you know, he saw a lot of good people, but he had a couple of shout outs. First of all, he thought the most attractive women there were the 22-year-old assistants. Because <laughs> I said, oh, it's Julia Roberts. How does she look? And he goes, yeah, she looks good, but her assistant is really, really pretty, Mom. <laughs> so, okay. Right. Of course, the 22-year-old, like, Harvard-graduated PR assistants are going to be really pretty. So check for that. He said there was one female that really stood out. When she came to do her press uh, press tour, uh, she is on Fox. So if you want to make a quick guess. Um, uh, Zoe Deschanel. Jennifer Lopez. He said. Oh, of course. Oh. Yes. I was there at the way. Yes. He, oh, my God. She looked so gorgeous. He said she is drop dead. Is drop dead gorgeous is the phrase he used. He goes, oh, we just. <laughs> We just stood and stared. The valets just stood and stared at Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> and Yes, and she was there, obviously, with the new American Idol. Right. So also with her at the same time was Harry Connick Jr. So I just stood and stared at Harry Connick <laughs> because he's also fantastic. And then he said, hands down, the most chaotic day. Uh, they don't actually get a lot of fans there. And, uh, even though the security is a little loose and stuff, but he said the most chaotic day, the person who came with the most fans created the most paparazzi, the most chaos was Benedict Cumberbatch <laughs> of Sherlock. <laughs> he said, you know, Leon, the, I read that. I could not believe that. Yeah. He said it was chaos. And you know, um, it's not a polite word, but you know what the female friends of Sherlock call themselves. They call themselves the Cumber bitches. <laughs> No. <laughs> pretty funny <laughs> that. So, and they he said they lined the driveway they were nuts he said it was absolutely nuts the day that he was there so there you go wow who would have thought in that whole lineup right that i Benedict- mean that whole lineup of people he he did, clearly created the most chaos so there you go See, the valets know all. This is why you should tip your valet generously i told all of my fellow executives leanne that that Brooks had pointed out to me that all the stars come in limos, so they don't get any tips for that. So it was incumbent on the executives to tip double because we had to make up for all the tips the valets were not getting. So I'm hoping all of the people from the National Geographic Channel, at least, were very, very generous with the valets. <laughs> yeah, he did fine. It was a good week. It's a busy week. Yeah, busy week. All right, we are going to – Julie had some interview questions, but let's save those for Tuesday, Joel. All right. Yeah, okay. 
We'll do those Tuesday. We'll do those Tuesday. Liz, you and I are actually going on a business trip again this week together. Yes, yes. We and I heard on... I heard on Tuesday's show at the very end that you, you talked about the fact that we were going to the Stitcher Awards and then um, then you were embarrassed that maybe you had blown my cover because I do have another job and yes. probably shouldn't be blowing off my real job to go do this during the week. But I think it's okay. I'm allowed to take it. I'm just take your Friday off. It's going to be fine. We are uh, The Stitcher Awards are Thursday night in San Francisco, so that's an easy trip for Leanne and I. On Virgin America, Sheila, because of your oh. It's we're taking Virgin America. I feel like again, I'm 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 championing uh, Virgin. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so a couple of things I want to say about Stitcher. Uh, we've been doing some research on Stitcher so that we will know what to say to these people when we see them on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And Leon sent me this long interview that was posted online um, on YouTube with the CEO of Stitcher. And here's another reason why you should help us support Stitcher. First of all, they're they're totally committed to uh, spoken word audio, right. right? So it's they're really all about podcasts and talk radio and the kind of things we do. And the if you listen to other podcasts, all of that. Stitcher's whole mission is to make all of that easier for you to download and interact with and support the shows that you love. So it's a lot better. Like if you haven't tried downloading the Stitcher app to your smartphone and using it to serve all of the podcasts you like to listen to, I would encourage you to try it because it is super easy do you guys you leanne do you use yes stitcher? i use stitcher yeah i like it a lot yeah and and yeah. i don't use a lot of apps i'll just because i don't go anywhere frankly i just sit at home so it's easier <laughs> if i went places i might i might use more apps but it is the one app i really like yeah, because and it has a feature now. I know in the past when we've talked about it, people said, "Well, you have to be online and you're using up all your data." And well, that's not true anymore. If you go to Stitcher, you can see there's now a feature called "Listen Later." So if you see that our show has downloaded to your app, you can press "Listen Later" while you're home on your Wi-Fi or whatever. It will download it. So then, when you're out and about in your car, going for a walk, whatever, you can listen to us, and it will be offline. So you're not using a lot of expensive data so anyway so i love that about them they're really trying hard to maximize what we do and make it easier for you to find us and make it easier for sponsors to find us and both of those two things would be excellent be excellent Um, yes but also, I just had no idea it was such a little company. The, uh, in, the whole, in the interview, the guy said they have a total of 35 employees. And I don't know why I thought it was some kind of empire, but it's not. It's still, you know, by Silicon Valley standards, that's like barely startup. And uh, so another reason I think we should support them. So um, all of that, if you are, we'll, we'll be at the awards on Thursday night. We know we have some pretty tough competition from Dan Savage's podcast, Savage Love, right, Leanne? Yeah, I feel like that's our biggest competition, but you never know. Parenting Zen could be a dark horse. Yeah. Or yeah. The, <laughs> the, the paleo podcast, that guy. Who knows? Those paleo people, maybe they voted. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But so, it, it's, uh, it'll be fun just to be there, Liz. Yeah. So we got invited now to two parties. Now we got invited to the nominees pre-party. 
and the actual awards. So I think the nominees pre-party is where we can find out from Stitcher. How do we get ourselves into a category that doesn't include Dan Savage? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, because I would just say health and lifestyle as a category. Well, that includes a lot of shows that like paleo, whatever. We, should, we could just be like a lifestyle category or a you know podcast for women category. We'll figure it out. Anyway, I'm sure we'll let you know next weekend how we did. Uh, no matter what, it's going to be fun. But I noticed as we've talked about this on the Satellite Sisters Facebook group, we had made a comment on the show about really there are, in our minds, there are two kinds of podcasts. There are the podcasts that are essentially radio shows that then get loaded online so that you can listen to your favorite radio shows online. So, and I do that all the time through Stitcher. I listen to Kevin and Bean as a podcast, so regular commercial radio. I like that podcast, but also I do listen to a lot of NPR shows as a podcast mm-hmm. or PRI shows. So I listen to This American Life. I listen to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. So when we were making that differentiation in our discussion, we certainly didn't mean to diss those shows. We, no. We love those shows. I, yeah. You know, I don't know how many of those you guys listen to, but, you know, I would say I listen to kind of half and half real radio shows that are also posted as podcasts, but then also things that are created purely as a podcast, which includes our show. Mm-hmm. So we're we're up for both of those. We would love to have more of the shows that are purely podcasts supported by Stitcher and sponsors and others because the radio shows have a different way of getting support. Obviously, NPR and PRI support those shows. Right. So it was nothing against those shows. Right. It's just a big, there's a huge budget, a a big difference in budget and a big difference in production. So, I mean, again, free, we're doing like a free Skype download. We're in our closets and we're posting it. And this American life is like a budget of a million dollars a year. So literally. And they deserve every penny. They deserve it. They're fantastic. But it's, it is like comparing, it's, it's two different animals in terms of, you know, our existence. So yeah. It's it's YouTube versus broadcast television. Exactly. Imagine the difference between those two and we're the YouTube thing. But I did hear one fantastic podcast last week that came from KCRW, which is the big public radio station here in uh, Santa Monica that I would recommend to anyone. And it's not, so it's not a show. Um, it is, it's a return 20 years ago. Uh, they did a show called Teenage Diaries. And I don't know if you ever remember hearing that on All Things Considered, but essentially they, Joe Richmond, who was a famous radio producer, gave, um, tape machines to multiple teenagers around the country and they taped their stories and he added it into this very compelling series of reports on all things considered called teenage diaries. Well, last weekend on KCRW, they, they uh, played a special. He's gone back. He's recontacted a lot of those teenagers. And now we have an installation on their lives 20 years later. And it was fascinating oh that does sound good it is really really good teenage diaries revisited you can find it at kcrw podcast i'm sure it's just posted separately to itunes too i love i'll put a link i'll put a link at satellite sisters yeah it's just fascinating it's the kind of thing that audio can do so well it's why we love podcasting right because he wouldn't necessarily have been able to tell these people's stories with the whole tv crew and everything it's just the power of one person's voice talking about their lives and the fact that you have the 20 years ago and now 
really, really compelling, uh, very dramatic. Everything radio can be, everything a podcast can be, and everything you should support if you like that kind of programming. So I just sort of throw there, throw that out there. It came from PRX. They supply a lot of the shows that you hear on public radio now. So fantastic podcast. Go find that. And meanwhile, next week we'll come back and we'll tell you um, about our partay mm-hmm. in San Francisco. <laughs> And then I have just one other entertainment recommendation because last night on the, uh, on the plane, on the way home from London, you know, it's a 10 and a half hour flight. So you see quite a few movies in that, in that (laughs) environment. I saw that movie Rush, Leon, that you would recommend. Oh yeah. About Formula One drivers really enjoyed that. Yes. Um, But I saw a movie last night that I think, I honestly can't think of a single person who would not enjoy this movie. And it is nominated in the documentary category for an Academy Award uh, this year. And the movie is called 20 Feet from Stardom. And uh, Sheila, you saw this, right? I saw it. I started raving about it over a year ago. Yes, it's you the did, same Sheila. old thing. Yes. I, I told you about it. I uh, said... Uh, Okay, well, now is your chance, people, because I'm sure it's going to get distributed on iTunes and Netflix and all over the place. 20 Feet from Stardom, it's the story of the backup singers who supported the R&B artists in the 60s, the rock artists in the 70s, and then how they went on to try to create their own careers later in their lives, some of them with some success, some of them with no success at all. But so the, the main backup singers who are featured are Darlene Love, and Mary Clayton, their their actual experiences, just as a cultural snapshot of what the music scene was like in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, that's fascinating. But then there are also a bunch of great either film clips or interviews directly with uh, Luther Vandross and Bruce Springsteen and Mick Jagger and Bette Midler and Sting and Stevie Wonder. So really, really Totally fun, totally fascinating movie. So I recommend that everybody find 20 Feet from Stardom. Um, it's really a story that you'll enjoy. And then I just read this morning online that Mick Jagger has said he's going to try to turn it into either a Broadway musical or a TV series. Oh. oh. Yeah. Wow, that's Entertainment. It's okay, good. Yeah, it would make it. I think it, I could really see it as a Broadway musical. But then, I mean, what's so cool about the movie, Sheila, is that they have all these clips of the singers actually working like face to face with Mick or with Bruce or with Luther. You know, it's cool. That's right, Liz. I loved it. Yep. yep. Highly recommend it. Okay, Sheila said it first. I'm just chiming in. 20, <laughs> 20 feet from stardom. And the director is Morgan Neville. So um, I'm sure you can find it. So, anyway, that's that. All right, I think that's it for the week. Any anybody got anything else? <laughs> well, is everyone watching the Grammys tonight? That'll be fun. Yes, that yeah, was good. I think, I think that will be fun. I oh. think your man Jake Bug is nominated for a Grammy, isn't he, Sheila? I think he's on the list. I don't know if he's performing. But... I I certainly believe he will be nominated. If <laughs> if he hasn't already, after this podcast, he will be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, using her psychic powers all right well everybody have a good week sheila hang on uh liz i'll see you thursday julie what's happening in dallas i'll talk to you on tuesday okay great all right don't forget call your satellite sister